Well, as we come to God's word, let's pray. Let's just have a quick look around uh, the people around you. We're going to pray for them, front, behind, either side. Give them a smile. If you think they're cute, give them a wink. Make sure you're married to them if you do. Uh, loving God, we thank you uh, for the people in front of us, behind us, either side. Lord, move in their lives powerfully. We don't know everything that's going on in them and around them and what's been going on in their lives, Lord, but we know that you do. And so we ask, Lord, that you'll bless them. And you'll bless them with a word that they need to hear this morning. That uh, in the singing of the songs, the praying of the prayers, or the word that is proclaimed, Lord, may you speak to their hearts. May they encounter your spirit in a, in a precious and a real way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we start this morning, just want to uh, share with you, Pat and Jeff Hatcher celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. Hello. <laughs> Tremendous. That Pat has put up with you for that long, Jeff. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Essentials, and... Um, and you'd all see that logo and you'd all recognise it, won't you, as being from a light hitting a prism and then shooting off in different directions. Not from a 1970s rock album at all. But what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at the essentials of what it means to be an evangelical. And because uh, the, the term evangelical gets thrown around a lot, and I thought, what would be really good is for us just to sit for a little while and say, well, what is it that we actually hold to as, as people of faith in an evangelical uh, tradition? And, and so we're going to be exploring that over the next uh, four weeks before we hit a new series uh, at the beginning of November, uh, or yeah, around the beginning of November. So uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, Scripture and, and uh, the fact that as evangelicals, we have what, what I call a high view of Scripture. And, uh, and to say to start off, I, I just want to... Does anyone remember those 3D um, puzzle arts? You know, those things with all the little cubes and wiggly wines? And, and if you looked at it just the right way, apparently some sort of other picture is meant to emerge. Do you remember those? And some of the youngies going, I don't understand what you're talking about. But some of the oldies going, yeah. How many people got those? Like, could you look at... God bless you. I think I've done it once out of all of them. I sit there and I squint and I look and I turn away and gaze and I, I try to do whatever I can to look at it. But I think it's only once that I went, I kind of see a shark. Is it meant to be a shark? I'm not really sure, it's kind of, there was blobs, now there's a different kind of blob and that's about as close as I get to it. And, and as I was thinking about 3D magic art and, and that phenomenon of the 2000s or whenever it was, I think that sometimes we can look at scripture a little bit of that way, that, that uh, when, when we come to scripture, sometimes it, for some of us it's really hard to understand it and to get it and to know what, what it's there for and, and what we're meant to do with it. And it's like that 3D puzzle art that you're looking at it and you're going, I'm reading this, 
but I'm not really sure what it means. Like, okay, it's a good story, but what do I do with it? Where do I go with it? And, and, and so I, I, I want to start talking about how as evangelicals we uh, uh, look at Scripture because there is a whole element out there in society and other parts of the church that would say that Scripture is outdated. It was written a long time ago. There's 66 books written over thousands of years that have all been collated together. And some people will say, well, how can that speak into our modern-day environment? There is nothing in the Bible about genetic engineering. And even if there are things in the Bible, we, people can look at it and go, well, you know, I, I know it says that, but that was old time. Like, that's old time thinking. We're now evolved and, and, and have more knowledge and more understanding. So we need to look at that differently now or even dismiss it altogether. Have you heard those kind of stories? And then there are those who basically say, well, you know, there's stories in the Bible, but we don't have any um, archaeological evidence to back it up, or there's, there's no proof that the Israelites even came out of Egypt. We don't see any kind of archaeological evidence, so therefore the Bible is unreliable. And so people have been putting their case to why it is outdated and why it is out of step or why it is unreliable. But as evangelicals, we put Scripture at a high level and that means that we want to let Scripture, uh, by the power of God's Spirit, speak to our soul and, and allow God to change us through the words that we find in Scripture. We want God to, to do something inside of us and to help us grow into the people that he wants us to be. Because there's a part of the church history that we look back to that shows us that if we don't use scripture to help teach us and encourage us and, and allow God to speak to us, we can get off track. And that time was around the 16th century, a guy uh, called Martin Luther. Here is the sexy looking man right now. I want those hats to come back in fashion and I'm thankful that he has allowed double chins to be cool. <laughs> so Martin Luther was a Catholic priest and, as he, uh, uh, and, and studied uh, deeply into theology and as he saw what the church was teaching and saw what the Bible said, he had this moment where he says the church is teaching and what Scripture actually says is becoming further and further away. And particularly in the whole concept of indulgences. Now, indulgences back then was that if you had people who had died, in, in the church's understanding, they went to a place called purgatory. And you've heard me talk about the place called Sheol before, and it's a similar concept. But, but indulgences, you paid the church money, and they would guarantee that your loved ones would get out of purgatory and go to heaven. And Martin Luther is reading Romans. Not to be confused with Martin Luther King, he was in the 60s. This is the 16th century, okay? He... 
he read Romans particularly and it just struck him how far the church had drifted away from the core message of what was important. And he came up with this, in, Christ, in faith in Christ alone is the only way to salvation. And so as a, as a, a, a denomination or a congregation who comes out of that Protestant stream, we come up with this understanding that if we are just left alone, we will go off track. If we don't have an anchor point, we don't have a way of God speaking into our lives, we, are, we will manipulate God into our image instead of allowing God to bring us into his image. And so Martin Luther famously nailed the 95 theses on the door of a cathedral saying, these are the issues I have with the teaching of the church and how it's walked away from Scripture. And from that time onwards to now, the Protestant church, which we're a part of, has held Scripture in a high light in a, in a, with great importance. In fact, Luther quoted a solar... I knew I was going to do this. Sola Scriptoris. Script, I don't know. In, in scripture, um, scripture first or in Scripture alone. So it's going to say, and so what they were making, uh, because the, the church had drifted, he's saying we're going to put the highest value first on Scripture and then on tradition and, and then on other things. And so we know through throughout history as we look back that when churches move away from allowing the scriptures to speak to them that they drift away from the core things that bring life and goodness and mercy to a congregation and so we're going to we're going to read from second timothy now and uh and and this is talking about um how uh, scripture should be looked at. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures, and Paul is probably talking about the Old Testament here, the Jewish Scriptures, from childhood, for they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired or God-breathed by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I want to do that one again. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favourable or not. Um, patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when People will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for uh, teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I love that. Nothing like an itchy ear. 
They will reject the truth. They'll reject it and chase after myths. But you should keep a uh, be sorry. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news, and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So here you you see Paul writing to Timothy, giving an an explanation of how important Scripture is to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, to enable us to, um, to stay true to good teaching. Now, I'm not going to do this very often, but I'm going to now quote you the basis of union from the Uniting Church. Because it has a very similar flavour. This is what it says. The Uniting Church acknowledges that the church has received the books of the Old and New Testament as unique, prophetic and apostolic... I'm not doing well this morning. Apostolic testimony in which it hears the word of God, in which it hears the word of God and by which its faith and obedience are nourished and regulated. When the church preaches Jesus Christ, its message is controlled by the biblical witnesses, or by scripture. Next one. The word of God on whom salvation depends is to be heard and known from scripture, appropriated, uh, appropriated in the worship and the witnessing life of the church. The United Church lays upon its members the serious duty of reading the scriptures, commit its ministers to preach from these and to administer the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper as effective signs of the gospel set forth in the scriptures. Here we have uh, the Uniting Church having a, a high regard for what the scriptures are designed to do, that the scriptures are designed to do what Paul has, um, has uh, articulated to Timothy, that it's there to bring us into a deeper relationship, a deeper connection, and keep us focused on what is important. But of course, you know what? We've got to read it. And so the, there's a reason why the Uniting Church Base of the Union says, puts upon its members the duty of reading the Scriptures. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand who's reading your Bible today. You read it with me, didn't you? You're all going to put up your hand. <laughs> but it's designed to give up, uh, to, um, to bring us into a deeper relationship with God. Now, uh, evangelicals can be accused of looking at Scripture in a certain way. And particularly they can be looked at looking at it as a literal or as a um, fundamentalist kind of way. And, and, I, and I don't actually think that's fair. And I don't think that when we use the term evangelical, there are a lot of people that think of America, not of Australia. Because I don't think there's anyone who actually takes every word of the Bible literally. You can't read a parable that Jesus shares literally. You know, e- even the J-dubs, when they come to my door and have a conversation with me, the poor people, you know, they're fixated on the book of Revelation. So I will say to them, I might have shared this before, I will say to them, I said, so the book of Revelations, 
Do you believe that everything that's in the book of Revelations is literal? Do you believe there's going to be a literal dragon that's going to come out of the ocean with ten heads and a thousand horns and, and going to do what it says it's going to do? And they go, no. That's just sort of like an image that's there. That's, that's something that's going to repre- that represents, but it, it's not literal. I said, thank you. I said, so if you don't take that literally... Do you take the numbers in Revelation literally? And if you know Jehovah's Witness, you know they're really big on the numbers in Revelations. And they go, you've done this before, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> so we, we, can, uh, we can be accused of, of taking it literally or fundamentally. And I think these days we use the word fundamentally wrong because it just means that we hold to the fundamentals. That's what fundamentally means. Uh, we can be accused of taking it literally. But let me tell you how we do read Scripture in the United Church in the evangelical tradition. First of all, we read it as it is God-inspired, which means not only was God inspiring it as the people wrote it down, but God inspires it as we read it. That as we read the, the Holy Scriptures, we are to engage God's Spirit that is inside of us we are to, to ask the Spirit of God to bring to life what it says, to knock on the door of our hearts, to challenge us, to convict us, and we'll go on to that in a little bit. We are to read it as inspired, but we definitely read it as the basis of union outlined in, in the wider meta-narrative or the big picture of what Scripture is about. So we don't take one verse and say... That's it. If we ever read one verse, we read one verse in the big picture of what the Bible is trying to say. From, genera- uh, generations, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And from an evangelical point of view, what the Bible is trying to say is that God is on the uh, mission of reconciliation, of redemption and of healing. Do you want me to say that again? God is on the mission of reconciliation, redemption, and healing. From the time that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, Abraham started his journey, God has been about building a people of God who can shine the light out to the rest of the world to say this is what it's like when you're fully connected to God. And as you accept what God has done for you, when you stop trying to be the God of your own life and allow God to be God in your life, as you do that, then then through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, you will be redeemed and reconciled to God and your healing will begin. That is the big picture of the Bible. And so whenever we look at people who we might see are living in a, a sinful uh, life, we don't look at them with judgment or look at them at putting the Bible as a weapon to them. We look at them at the fact that they are living in that brokenness and that God wants to move them towards re- redemption, reconciliation and healing. Now the church has got a rap over the time as using the Bible to beat people over the heads with it. But, but I want to proclaim to you the story, the big picture of the Bible is that God is calling people home. 
to be redeemed and to be healed. And everything that we read in Scripture needs to be put through that lens. Now, there are different streams of the church that put it through a different lens. Our, our liberal brothers and sisters will put it through a, ju- uh, a justice lens. And, and, and I'd simply say that justice is a theme of the Bible, but it's not the big theme of the Bible. The big theme is that we're broken and God wants to make us whole. And justice is a part of that, but it's not the complete picture. So when we're reading scripture, we don't um, read it wanting to use it as a, a weapon against people or to judge people or to use it to blame people for not living a lifestyle that we're comfortable with. We use it as a reflection to say, God, how can I help people who are broken move into your grace, your love, your healing your reconciliation and your redemption. Does that make sense? So Paul states in this passage that Scripture is to do uh, three things. It is to teach, which is what I'm kind of doing with you now. It is to correct, and it is to train for a godly life. To teach, to correct, and to train for a godly life. And and so to do that, we can't come to the Bible with our expectation, come to the Bible and and come to God and saying, God, teach me how you want me to live. Teach me what's important. Teach me about what I I need to do and, and, and help me to do it. And that's why just about every Sunday we'll... We'll open up the scriptures and we'll share from it to try and get you to connect with what God wants for your life. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've, I've read scripture and God has just convicted my heart. I said, Barry, what are you doing? And as I've laid that down before God and I've said, God, you're right. That doesn't help me, it doesn't help my marriage, it doesn't help my family, it doesn't help my church. I need to let this go. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes I find myself dragging my feet time and time again and God continues to bring me back. But it's there to teach, to correct and to train. When I first came to faith, many years ago now. I wasn't much of a reader. In fact, my year two teacher stopped me from reading. There was something called reading comprehension cards when I was in year two, and I didn't do well. I love reading up to that point in time, but after that, I didn't read a book for 10 years until I was forced to, really, at school. Didn't like it at all. But when I became a Christian... When the Spirit of God came into me and when I started going, I've got to know what this God wants of me, I started plowing through the Bible. I mean, I read it from from the beginning to the end. And then when I finished, I did it again. 
I read through the stories of Genesis and, and Abraham and Moses. I read through the judges and through the kings. I read through Ruth and Esther and, and the Psalms and the Proverbs. I got stuck in the middle of Job. And then the minor prophets. And then I read the Gospels and I read the Gospels. And I read the letters and then I'd go back and try Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And then I'll do it all over again. And as the Spirit of God started to make things jump out of me, I just got into it again and again and again. And it rekindled my passion for reading. But as I was doing that as a young man of 17, as I was trying to explore it, and as I was reading through the big picture of what God was doing, God was teaching me what his character was like. He was teaching me about who I was. He was teaching me that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. That I didn't have to live up to other people's expectations. He was teaching me that um, he could use even a broken person like me. And as he corrected my swearing and my drinking as he corrected, as he challenged me to give things up in my life, and he's still doing it to this day. As I've allowed him to teach me and train me for a righteous life, I can say with all confidence, it is the best thing after accepting Jesus into my life that I've done. And then marriage and kids just off to the side. So, our job is to let God speak to us through the scriptures. Now, in my last church, there were plenty of, uh, there were plenty of people who did every day with Jesus. And they get this little book and it would have a little Bible reading and it would have a, a little devotion and it would have a little prayer. And that was great. And if you do that, God bless you, keep doing it. But that should not be all we do. Coming and reading scripture uh, on a Sunday morning and, and listening to me rabbit on for 25 minutes should not be all that we do. But every day, because we hold a high value, because we want to learn, because we want to be encouraged in our faith, we should come to the scripture and dig deep into it and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And allow God to, to be centered in our hearts and our minds and keep us from drifting off into things that aren't important. Listen to one pastor and he basically says, he goes, I read scripture until God speaks. So he gets, he gets to his time alone with God and he prays and he reads and he doesn't stop reading until he hears the voice of God speak to him in some way. Now, I'm not quite there yet, but I think it's a great thing to do. That's a good sign that my sermon's gone long enough.
So um, I want to encourage you this morning, where you're at with your understanding of Scripture and what it is to do in your life. Because if you're like me, from time to time, you might put it to one side and it might collect a little bit of dust on your shelf. From time to time, you go, you know what, I've read this story and just glance over it. From time to time, you might go, well, I don't understand this. This is not saying anything to me. What do I do with it? Maybe from time to time that happens to you. I want to encourage you. What a tremendous gift we have been given in this day and age that you and I can have the Bible in multiple translations on our phone. I still remember, I think it was a global leadership summit where someone was talking about another country around the world where scripture was not allowed. And what they had to do is they would have one Bible that would be passed around a whole community. And because no one could be caught with the Bible, what they would do is they would memorise one chapter of the Bible. And so when they got together in a, in, out in the dark, in the clearing where no one could see them or arrest them, the preacher would get up and go, I want to, who's Isaiah 63? And someone would stand up and go, I'm Isaiah 63, and then would recite it off by heart. What a tremendous gift we have that we have the Holy Word so accessible to us to bring teaching and to bring correction and to bring a guide to a right life and so i want to encourage you and maybe the spirit of god is convicting you to step into again the reading of scripture and put it high on your life don't dismiss it because putting it high in your life is saying okay whatever i'm going through what does scripture say about that What does God say in the word about that? And so I want to encourage you, I want to, um, that the Bible is a great gift and that we as people who hold the scripture high should never take it for granted but should be stepping into every ounce of it as often as we can. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you and we praise you for your holy word. Lord, I know that there are times that I've taken your word for granted. That I haven't held it in the esteem that it, it needs. And Lord, we know that scripture is not the fourth person of the Trinity. We know, Lord, that, that it is a tool that you use to keep us focused on what's important. And I know, Lord, there are times that I have put that to the side and I gather that there are other people here who have done that as well. Lord, may you just encourage our hearts. May you, may you um, excite us once again to enter into your word. May you excite us once again, Lord, that the scripture is used to see people come into your grace and your love, not to be used as a weapon or a judgment. So, Lord, bless us as we open up your scriptures and acknowledge that you are God and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.